This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest philosophers to your fingertips. With more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more, The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Secret Life of Words, English Words and Their Origins. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Steve Hayes. And Steve, someone described to me the hack at the OPM as the new Pearl Harbor. And that was before we found out that it might have affected maybe four times as many people as we thought. Right. I mean, I, I think that's an apt description, actually. It sounds probably for people who you know haven't been following the story uh, like it might be hyperbole. It's not. And the reason it's not is because the forms that you're talking about that uh, have been accessed by China, and we're virtually certain it is China at this point, uh, include the most sensitive information for the most powerful people in terms of our national security. Um, The kind of information that our adversaries have spent years in many cases trying to get their hands on in order to use to gain further access or otherwise compromise people working on these significant issues for the U.S. government. Well, just for, for the people who don't know, so uh, you apply for a job that has some classified level. You fill out this 100-plus page form with details, not just about your life, but about the life of your family, your friends, uh, divorces, uh, tickets, foreclosures, the whole shebang. And as far as we know, these hackers spent at least a year kind of roaming around this data. Inside the data, and then we believe took, you know, took vast majority of it. I mean, I think that's, that's the key problem is they can continue to have access to this, to this data. And it does. I mean, it includes anything and everything uh, that might have to do with your life. I mean, the reason that this, that this data is provided to the U.S. government is precisely so that the U.S. government can know and understand your potential vulnerabilities as somebody with access to, you know, very highly classified material. So the entire point of going through this exercise is to guard against the possibility that a piece of this information that you're providing can be used to blackmail you, for instance, to otherwise uh, get you to do something on behalf of a foreign entity or a foreign government. And the fact that now our adversaries, or maybe just China at this point, has access to all of this on virtually everyone. Uh, There's some question about uh, how compromised the CIA was because they keep their personnel materials usually separate, Um, but certainly senior defense officials, uh, executive branch officials, people who are dealing with the highest, most classified data and information in the U.S. government, the adversary now knows this information that, that was the entire point of the exercise of filling out those forms. Um, the, so when you talk to people in, in the intelligence and defense communities, what are the scenarios that f- concern them the most now that it appears that China has done this massive hack, has the data, and has far more data than we were led to believe just a few days ago? 
Yeah, well, uh, that's a very good question. And, and, and the key, I think, for the, for the public to understand is that this is not a one-time breach and then this is over. The entire reason that people are calling it the Pearl Harbor of, of data breaches is because this is a rolling catastrophe. You are going to see people potentially being compromised down the road uh, you know, in a year, in five years, maybe in 10 years, maybe a, a number of people immediately within the next several months. And you can imagine any of a number of scenarios. If you've, if you've confided or, or acknowledged in these documents, for instance, that you've got a history of mental health problems, and certainly you wouldn't want that to be public necessarily, and there could be a threat uh, about making that information public that would get uh, somebody to, to do something or share a piece of information or what have you, or if you have past convictions, um, or if you have, you know, any of anything that, that a U.S. official might find embarrassing, um, or, uh, you know, if they have bad financial history. Um, in particular, that could be not only embarrassing, but also a way in which our adversaries could could offer money for information. So there are sort of any number of scenarios that you can imagine. And, and in talking to, to several of my intelligence contacts, the level of alarm, I think, is not yet appreciated at all in the general public as compared to what you hear when you talk to intelligence professionals. Well, what about the alarm in the White House? I mean, people are calling it the Pearl Harbor, but based on the White House's reaction, this isn't even Grenada. This isn't even, you know, finding a suspicious bag at Reagan National. I mean, the, the White House, if they've done anything, seems to be apologizing to China for the you know, difficulty that this situation has created created well this i mean i think the white house response has uh occasioned more of this alarm i mean i think there's alarm at the initial breach there's alarm at the initial news the first reports were four million then lately we've been hearing 18 million now you have reports that as many as 30 million people are compromised uh, opm director archuleta when she testified yesterday took several questions about how many potentially could be compromised, and she couldn't even answer that question or perhaps wouldn't answer that question. And I think that there has been a very nonchalant, almost dismissive response by the White House, by the administration. Of this. And look, I can come up with an, a, a scenario in which that makes sense for them to re respond that way. If they're trying to downplay the importance and the value of what was taken, by our adversaries, uh, you could understand where they wouldn't want to highlight uh, just how alarming this is, where they wouldn't want to give specifics about how much was, was taken. But of course, our adversaries know this, like they know what they have. There was a reason they were seeking that. And I think for the White House at this point to be so nonchalant about it leaves our adversaries sort of laughing at us. And, and to say nothing of the public accountability here at home, it's yet another example of you know, major problems with the federal government in which it appears that nobody, at least at this point, is likely to pay a price. Well, I'm going to get that in a second, but I'm just trying to go back to this. So China commits the cyber version of Pearl Harbor, and our president says this is a day that will live as Thursday. I mean, there's no infamy. There's no <laughs> holy moly. There's no, I mean, are the, Chi the Chinese are t basically telling it's us, worse. get over it. I'm like, why aren't they yeah. afraid of us? Why aren't we doing no. stuff? Why aren't bad things happening to Chinese business interests that want to, you know, do spend money and, and make money here in America? Why isn't somebody breaking a sweat, you know, on the other side? Well, to be fair, we don't know. We can't say for certain that, that, that that's not happening. 
although by looking at the administration's past, in addition to the way that they've responded to this publicly, it's it's a good bet that it's not happening because they don't want to be provocative. Look, I would argue that it's even worse than, than the way you sort of mockingly described the response. We have Secretary of State John Kerry saying, in effect, we are going to have stark private conversations with the Chinese about just how you know angry we are. He doesn't actually name the Chinese. We are going to have stark conversations about cybersecurity with China, doesn't name them as the perpetrator of this attack. Um, and Joe Biden said similar things in remarks yesterday. But you have to wonder, why would the Chinese take seriously our, our admonitions or our uh, critiques or our threats that we make in private if we're not even willing to name them in public? And even worse than that, if you look at the administration's public position, as told through background briefings with reporters last week, that they didn't want to name China for fear of destabilizing the momentum or, or, or stopping the momentum on the Iranian nuclear deal, you just have to shrug your shoulders and say, what world are these people living in? I mean, this is a catastrophic attack, Pearl Harbor of data security breaches, and they're more worried about securing a horrible deal on Iranian nukes that includes China sort of peripherally than they are in confronting China about the seriousness of this actual terrorist attack. And I would call it a terrorist attack. Well, one last thing uh, we talked about, there's no reason for China not to do this again. In other words, they aren't feeling any deterrence. If they're working on another hack somewhere else, I'm sure that those hackers are continuing a pace because why not? There's no downside. But what about the people who are supposed to stop them? I almost fell over in my chair, Steve, when the, the head of OPM, Ms. Archuleta, said, it's not our fault that they we had no, we didn't have the security to stop them. It's not our fault that we didn't know they were there for a year. It's not our fault that we have no standing security system. It's their fault for breaking in. It's like framing the bank yeah. robber for the fact that the bank didn't lock the door. Yeah, it really. Her, her testimony was was sort of amazing on a number of levels. Uh, that being one of them. I mean, it was also not just that she was blaming the Chinese, but everything's the fault of the system. Well, somebody's in charge of the system. If there are problems with the system, and we've, we've certainly heard in recent weeks that we've known about the nature of the problems with the system. If there are problems with the system, it, it's the responsibility of those who lead to fix them, to solve those problems, and certainly not to outsource uh, contracts to, to firms with Chinese ties or Chinese firms that would enable them to have uh, access to this kind of data or anything like it. So her performance on Capitol Hill, I think, if anything, made these matters worse and made members of Congress even more interested than they already were in doing something about it. Well, as long as we fail to hold anyone accountable, you know, all will be well. Because if no one's accountable, then no one gets in trouble, then nothing really happened. Right, Steve? Well, look, I mean, you know what, to a certain extent, just as a, purely as, as a media strategy, you can understand why the Obama administration would do this, right? I mean, they push these things off long enough, and the media eventually starts to lose interest, particularly when they're something that's not readily understandable to to sort of average everyday journalists and something that people don't come with sort of native expertise in. The administration has done this repeatedly. I mean, they did this particularly in the national security area, and you and I have talked about this before. They did this with the the underwear bomber. They did this with the Pakistani Taliban Times Square attacks. 
They did this with the Benghazi attacks, of course. They minimized them at first. They pushed them down the road. They provide as little information as possible, much of it conflicting, much of it later turns out to be false. And then when it comes time for real accountability, there is no real accountability. So in that sense, I think they've gotten away with it in the past, and there's reason to believe they'll get away with it again in the future. Oh, no, I have a plan. I'm leaking word that the original hack was done by a Confederate Civil War reenactor. So I'm sure they will jump right on top of it immediately. Steve Hayes, thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.